the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Man, we are just fighting for it today, are we not? There is so much to get into. Uh, after what happened yesterday with Mike DeWine, with the uh, announcement of the lottery, the Monty Hall uh, turn by uh, by Mike DeWine, we'll get back into all of that. But uh, let's continue the great conversation with our next guest. He is our regular Thursday guest. We always hold this time open for him because he always brings so much wisdom. Dr. Everett Piper, who is a celebrated author, a best-selling author. He is also a former university president. He is a columnist for the Washington Times, and he is also a radio host in his native Oklahoma. Dr. Piper, always good to talk with you. Thanks for coming back. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, and as always, I'm honored to be on your show. All right, Dr. Piper, we're going to start with something that we talked about at the end of last week's conversation. I kind of just threw it in there because I wanted to get your your take on the the Caitlyn Jenner situation, the Bruce Jenner situation. I don't like to... uh, participate in other people's um, uh, psychological problems by by normalizing them. He is still a male, and his name is Bruce Jenner, but he changed his name to Caitlyn Jenner, so be that as it may. I said, what do we do with a guy like this who says he's a girl, uh, but which is something that both you and I have a big problem with from a scientific standpoint and from a uh, and from a religious standpoint? God only made man and woman. He didn't make any third variations. But I asked you, what do we do with somebody like this who is kind of the poster child for the transnormative thinking, yet he comes out with uh, a lot of very strong conservative positions, including against his own trans agenda, saying that biological males should not compete with biological females because it is an unfair advantage. You wrote an article now. You've made your position clear, and I want you to tell us more. Why conservatives should not support Caitlyn, a.k.a. Bruce Jenner? Well, you actually spurred me on by asking the question in last week's show. I thought so. I got to thinking about it. Because 
you know, I think if I recall correctly, you basically were asking me, okay, you have a problem with Bruce Jenner, but you supported Donald Trump. Um, your defense of supporting Trump is first things that we believe in freedom. And in spite of Donald Trump's boorish behavior, in spite of the fact that his morality is that he boasts of in his books is, is different than the Judeo Christian standards that we hold dear. We still voted for him. You voted for him. I voted for him and we've defended our decision accordingly. So how is that different than doing the exact same thing when Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, is running against Gavin Newsom, this tyrant in California. Mm-hmm. What about first things? Wouldn't you apply the same principle? And there's a difference here in my mind. Donald Trump falls within the definition of normality. Yeah, he's got lots of sins. So do I. But those human frailties are in the box of normalcy. He isn't delusional. He's not suffering from a psychosis, or at least not a clinically diagnosed one. Bruce Jenner is. Bruce Jenner is denying normalcy. He's denying reality. Donald Trump, in spite of his exaggerations and his hyperbole, never denied reality. Disagreed with a lot of things they did in his past, and I disagree with his behavior and his vocabulary and his language even while he was in the White House. But he didn't deny reality. And Bruce Jenner does. And if you can't align yourself with what's real, If you can't even look in the mirror and acknowledge reality, we've got a problem here. That has to be a first thing. So as you know, in my article, I reference C.S. Lewis, his book, God in the Dock, where he calls upon us to recognize that when you put first things first, you get them. But when you put second things ahead of first things, you're not going to get either the second or the first. And I really think we need to apply that logic and that philosophy to these types of decisions. Matt Walsh, summarizes it very well. He tweeted last week with regard to this Bruce-Caitlyn Jenner issue, Mm -hmm. if the right gives up the gender fight, then that's it. It's over. Once we surrender reality itself, what else is there left to fight for? Tax cut? I will die on this hill, says Matt Walsh. If this hill is lost, there is none worth keeping after it, and nobody left to fight for them anyway. Close quote, Matt Walsh. And I agree with him 100%. The issue here is reality itself, the first thing. One of the, and that's very well argued and very well presented. Um, the one thing that, you talked about this last week, and again, and I didn't really bring up the Trump thing. I was just really more interested in the Caitlyn Jenner message versus Caitlyn Jenner messenger. Um and I said, what if the messenger is flawed, but the message is the right one? And you said, well, we don't even have any proof or evidence or real belief that uh, he would do all of the things that he said he would do in his campaign commercial and so on and so forth and be much better than Newsom anyway. Maybe, but we don't know that anyway, so we should probably not give up, as you said, on the first thing here. Um, what if that cha- changed, though? What if we knew, and we can't, so this is totally hypothetical, Dr. Piper, what if we knew that... Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner would go into office, into Gavin Newsom's office, and clean it out and undo the high taxes and undo the lockdowns and the restrictions and undo all of the other, the, the de- defunding of police and all of the other the sanctuary state status that, that, uh, that California has and undid all of the liberal, uh, destructive, tyrannical things that Gavin Newsom, Newsom is doing and has done. And, and, you know, Gray Davis and, uh, uh what's his name before him? Uh, I can't remember now, the once and former uh, governor uh, of California. Schwarzenegger. 
No, 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 no. The, the one who uh, bookended and actually had two terms uh, before uh, Newsom came in. Um, I forgot. I'm, I, yeah, I'm having a uh, mind, mind blank here. But uh, anyway, what if we knew that, that Jenner was going to do all of those right things and make California and thus the United States a much better place? Is it still worth dying on that hill over the reality of the first thing if we can fix the state knowing this? And I know it's hypothetical because we can't know. But if we did know it, would it change your mind? Um, I, it's a good question, and it does cause me to pause a little bit because of my preaching on your and my preaching on your show, as well as others, about first things and second things about hierarchical government versus covenantal government. Mm-hmm. And what you're basically asking right now is, what if we knew that Bruce Jenner is more covenantal, constitutional, than he is hierarchical, big government, top down? If we knew that, and if he had lower taxes, defended uh, our borders. Uh, release people to exercise human freedom, and, uh, you know, stopped all the draconian measures that Gavin Newsom apparently enjoys Im- imposing on everybody. What if he did that? Um, again, the difference for me here is that if you have a broken human being like Donald Trump doing all that, sinful though he may be, arrogant though he may be, the boorish man though he may be, he isn't setting a standard for all of our progeny, our children and our grandchildren, to all of the sudden abandon reality for the sake of better taxes or lower taxes. Um, we conservatives have to conserve certain things. That's what we are. We're conservationists. And we conserve the Constitution. We believe in the First and Second Amendments and all amendments thereafter. We believe in human liberty. We believe in the, the, in the importance of freedom. And we fight for those things. But if we abandon the very definition of what it means to be a human being in our effort to get there, I think we have elevated second things over first things, and we may get the second for a short period of time, but because we sacrifice the first, reality itself, we will die by on the guillotine of our creation, I fear. That's a great explanation, and I know it's hard, and it's very hard under the circumstances that I kind of posed here uh, to make a call like that, but uh, but you know, if, essentially you do. You revert to what C.S. Lewis said, and you're right. I mean, uh, first things first. And second, things cannot usurp them or else we get nothing. Dr. Pepper, I'm going to use this as our break so I can come back and talk about Facebook. You told me a Facebook story that had a very different outcome than most Facebook stories when it comes to conservatives being censured, a censored, rather. So I'm going to get your story, and then I'll tell you one of our own here in Ohio and get your thoughts on that as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1021, now we continue with Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Piper, you and I have talked about censorship and the threat of big tech, the Jack Dorseys of the world who runs Twitter, Mark Zuckerberg's of the world who runs uh, Facebook, of course, Tim Cook who runs Apple. They de-platform and take apps down if they don't like the uh, the uh, content or the individual who owns it. And uh, it's a huge problem. It's a free speech issue, and it is uh, it is a freedom of the press issue since social media has become kind of the new press you have had a recent bout of uh, censorship from Facebook and their moderators. I can't tell you how many conservatives I know who say the same thing, but yours has a little bit of a different ending, and I want you to tell us all about it. All right, so this past week I posted a meme, and all I did is put, hmm, as far as my commentary, I put, hmm, and then I provided a link to my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's the meme? The meme says this. 
the Nazis had a phrase which covered all abuses by the state. And my German may be off here, but I'm going to... Fair our Sickerheit. I wasn't going to try it. <laughs> okay, Fair our Sickerheit. So if the Nazis had a phrase which covered all abuses by the state, Fair our Sickerheit, which means it's for your safety. That's all I did. That's all I did. Well, Facebook puts me in jail over it. Okay? Well, I was furious. Are you serious? I'm not... I mean, I understand the word Nazi is in the meme, but anybody with half a brain <laughs> understands that this is critical of the Nazi regime. This is not elevating it. This is not a neo-Nazi meme. This is a meme that says, hey, the despots of the past controlled their people by claiming it was for your safety. Maybe we ought to attend to that lesson of history and realize that the despots of our present day are doing the exact same thing. That's what this meme suggests. And I got put in Facebook jail for it. So what I did is I took a screenshot of the meme and the Facebook jail notice from, excuse me, yeah, the the jail notice from Facebook, and I reposted it. And ironically enough, that that was allowed to go through. Okay? So a friend of mine who works for Liberty Council, a, a legal advocacy group for freedom, contacted me and said, hey, I've got a friend that works for Facebook. He's actually the conservative that they've hired to try to vet these things. Do you want to have a three-way conversation with him, a conference call? I said, absolutely. Long story short, Bob, is this. Had that conference call with a guy in Facebook that actually kind of has some power, and he can pull some strings, he can listen to the complaint, and you know what they did? They corrected it. They corrected it and said, you're absolutely right. We're wrong, you're right, and they took me out of jail. So there's a, there's a good story here. If we continue to speak up and not just back down and say, okay, I'm in jail, I'm not going to post anything, so the lesson number one is continue to fight. Don't back down. Number two is you do have an opportunity to express your views if you push it to the extreme. And there is a person at Facebook that's there to represent you. And in this case, he really did. It's a good story. It is a good story, but I fear that it's in, uh, it, it, it cannot be duplicated because so many of us have tried that. Um, I have tried. I've appealed. I know so many other people who have appealed. When it, I, I mean, talk about the most benign, you know, memes. I mean, even even more benign than yours. And yet somebody reports it because some leftist is offended. See, this is why I normally only Facebook post to my friend group. You know, my five thousand friends, uh, because I at least have some semblance of control. Not that I know all of them, but when I post publicly, then it's open to anybody, any leftist who hates me and or conservatism, and then they're going to report me just because they don't want me to be on there and and that has happened and the minute i say i i disagree with this and i would like to challenge this um i five seconds later i get a response saying your disagreement has been uh refuted or, or whatever the words are when they say too bad so sad uh we disagree your ban is in is in effect i've never seen anybody get a real person an advocate somebody who can actually be there to talk with and reason with and and, and make your case for well here's and I should have asked this contact of mine if I had permission to share his name mm-hmm. and his contact information before I went on your show, but I didn't. So here's what I'd like to say, Bob. If you or anybody else listening gets, uh, if you run cross purposes with Facebook in the future, if you want to flag me on it, I will contact this person and say, here we go again. I've got three friends, five friends, 20 friends who are ticked off because you guys are censoring them. Can you respond? My guess is, based on the response I got, that you'll get a hearing. 
I will take advantage of that offer. I promise you, you'll be the first person I call if I get this again. Now, having said all of that, I want to get to the dark side of Facebook now. Uh, Dr. Piper, I told you about this briefly. There's a group in Ohio called Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom. Uh, their leader is going to be giving a webinar for my group, Citizens for Free Speech, next Wednesday. Um, this group has argued vociferously against uh, the uh, mask mandates, against the school lockdowns, against masking kids, against church uh, and worship uh, limitations and all the rest they have made huge headway they have 40,000 people on one page and they run another page with 20,000 people Dr. Piper Facebook banned took down both pages within two days of one another just flat they weren't doing anything wrong they were simply arguing their viewpoint about vaccines versus other people's or about this particular vaccine masks etc 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 but they got too popular and i think this scared the bejesus out of if you'll pardon that scared the daylights out of um uh you know the the leftists who want the entire covid narrative to be run by the pseudoscientists who want to you know make people live on fear so this page was taken both pages were taken on by Facebook and no appeals were granted, no hearings, no anything. This is just continuing the censorship of the of conservative thought. Your thoughts? I agree with you, and that's that is the dark side. And this one positive story, I think it should be noted. And I think you thank people when they're right, and you criticize them when they're wrong. With the decision, small little potatoes, as far as I'm concerned, because I'm not that big of a deal, but I'm going to thank them for listening to me. They were right. The reaction was appropriate. And frankly, I don't blame them for flagging Nazi stuff in the first place. I understand the word Nazi should be attended to. I don't blame them for having that in their algorithm. You don't want some neo-Nazi out there promoting that crap, white supremacy and all that nonsense. I get that. But when you're criticizing Nazis, you probably ought to let let the guy speak, which is what I was doing. Anyway, that said, back to your example. That is deplorable, and they should fight it. LifeSite News. LifeSite News got taken down last week. The point is this. I don't know for sure why they were taken down. I'm surprised. In fact, in my appeal to this gentleman that I'm talking about, I mentioned the fact that, you know, I am unapologetic in criticizing the rainbow cabal, LGBTQ, XYZ, and everything therein. I am constantly, it's a one-string banjo for me. I wouldn't be surprised if they take me down for that. I'm also very critical of all the COVID craziness. Like you said, this addiction to fear. I've been very critical of that. The Human Rights Campaign has cited me as um, on their right-wing watch alert. I, and the guy responded to me. A Facebook guy responded to me and said, that's a badge of honor. So there is some sanity therein, and I think we need to take advantage of it, and maybe I can help you and others do that. You know, Dr. Piper, uh, yours is a great story, and I'm so glad you got some resolution. Unfortunately, this one is is far more often the story. Uh, and, and the real problem here, too, is the lack of human the human component in the decision-making, because the algorithms, as you say, flag the word Nazi. Never mind the fact that you may be condemning Nazism. It's kind of like going into a search a search. Uh, um, um, uh, Crying out loud, I'm losing my brain. Uh, search engine. Going into a search engine and doing, because you're doing a report on the historical or the statistical number of child pornography arrests in your state to talk about the pervasiveness of, of that through pornography or whatever. But somebody sees you typing child pornography in, and if somebody wants to flag that with an algorithm, it makes it look like you've been looking up child pornography for your own purposes. Uh, and, and then they, you know, imagine being arrested and throwing in real, thrown in real jail for such a thing. I think we rely too much 
on the tech, too much on the algorithms, and not enough on human common sense. And that's a real problem in the digital age. Absolutely. And the people that are putting these algorithms together come out of the cancel culture and the snowflake rebellion, and they're trying to silence all opposition. Agree with you 100%. But there is a voice there, and we can try try to take advantage of it. Dr. Everett Piper, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Once again, get Dr. Piper's book on Amazon, Grow Up. Grow Up. Dr. Everett Piper, thank you, sir. We'll talk to you next week. What? 1031 News Time Now. Ohio State Representative Scott Wiggum will join us next. AM 1420, The Answer. side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer all right 1036 we continue thanks so much for staying with us great conversation with dr everett piper terrific stuff from jay christian adams in the first hour yesterday um on twitter ohio state representative scott wiggum uh, stated the following, today at 4 p.m., we will file a concurrent resolution to rescind the restrictive health mandates that have barred Ohioans from their freedoms and liberties granted to them under the Constitution. It will end the mask mandate, school mask mandates, and the social distancing mandate. That was yesterday early afternoon. Yesterday evening at about 5 o'clock, Governor Mike DeWine said this. Ohio Department of Health Director Stephanie McLeod will remove all pandemic health orders except those for nursing homes and assisted living facilities effective three weeks from today on June 2nd. This time will give anyone, one, anyone who has not been vaccinated time to get the one-shot Johnson Johnson vaccine or the first dose of Pfizer or Moderna, Moderna and be well on the way to full immunity for themselves. Except for the fact that the vaccine, which has been reported countless numbers of times by people other than Mike DeWine, does not provide immunity whatsoever. <laughs> that is the comedy of all of this thing. Joining us now to discuss why Mike DeWine yesterday decided to announce a date to lift all of the COVID restrictions that have been placed upon us the very same day that Representative Scott Wiggum decided, or uh, announced rather, the resolution to lift those when uh, the uh, uh, 90-day period ended uh, following the override of the veto of Senate Bill 22 is Representative Scott Wiggum. Uh, Representative Wiggum, good to have you on the program. How are you, sir? Uh, thanks, Bob. I'm doing great. I appreciate being on. You know, we waited and waited and waited for you guys to override one of Mike DeWine's uh, uh, earlier orders, or, uh, you know, you passed a couple of resolutions, or rather a couple of bills uh, that would restrict some of what Mike DeWine did to lock down the state. Uh, there just wasn't enough support to override his veto. He voted vetoed at least two of them, I believe. We finally get one overridden. SB 22. It's going to take effect on January, or excuse me, on June 23rd. And Mike DeWine jumps up and says, Hold on a second. We're going to lift it on June 2nd. I don't know about you, Representative Wiggin, but this looks like a blatant political maneuver by Mike DeWine to try to take, quote-unquote, credit for guiding the state of Ohio through this pandemic, praising them for doing exactly what he and his health department told them to do, and that they have earned the lifting of the restrictions. It can't be a coincidence that he did this on the same day of the announcement of your resolution. 
Well, I, here's, here's the deal, Bob. We, we don't get information on what the governor is going to say during his press conferences. Obviously, he's had quite a few of them, and, uh, and a lot of things have been said. The last uh, time that we knew uh, what the, the numbers that he was looking at, he was looking at what, 50, uh, 50 positives uh, in, in 100,000 100, uh, cases? For 100,000, yeah. Yeah, for 100,000 people. So we knew that that was unachievable. Um, if there's criticism of the state house, which I, I believe there probably is some very valid criticism, is that we didn't have this out um, even, you know, a month ago. Uh, but, but, the, but the fact of the matter is, is we've been circulating this uh, concurrent resolution for a couple of weeks within the state house. Uh, both the Senate has uh, members of the Senate have looked at it, and members of the House have looked at it. So, w- w- you know, regardless of how this works out, uh, we need to get this done as soon as possible. If he wants to, if he wants to lift these measures uh, sooner rather than June 23rd, uh, that's fine by me. I think that's that's great. Um, if, if he's feeling pressure, that's fine also. The point is, is that we, we as a state house, okay, as a general assembly, the, 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 the house and the Senate, we have got to have a placeholder in, in, uh, in, in the works, uh, which is a concurrent resolution that will probably most likely have to change as we get closer to June 23rd. So, okay. So, so Governor DeWine listed, may lift the mask mandate by June 2nd. But the fact of the matter is, is there's other mandates out there also. So maybe we have to adjust this. Uh, um, we may have to adjust this uh, concurrent resolution um, uh, to reflect the fact that those mandates are gone and others are still in play. Uh, he, maybe he puts in new mandates. This thing's going to have to be a little bit flexible as we go forward. But generally speaking, uh, we have to be ready as a state house because come June 23rd, if we're empty-handed, uh, then, then shame on us. No, I uh, I completely understand and agree with all of that. I guess my larger point here was if the General Assembly had not acted, both in overriding the veto of SB 22 and in drafting this concurrent resolution, do you believe Mike DeWine would be lifting these orders right now? Uh, you know, I, this is all I can say, because I, I don't know whether I believe he would be. I think that um, the governor was looking at June 23rd coming up and probably thinking about it. He's, 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 he would have had to make some decisions coming up. Whether the governor knew uh, that this that we were circulating a concurrent resolution um, is it, something I can't tell you either. So it's hard for me to try to get into his mind uh, because I'm not even so sure that uh, you know I'm not even so sure that June 20 that June 2nd will be a, a great day for us. We may need more. So, you know, I don't know how to even answer that, Bob, but I do, I will well, tell you this. I do think that, I do think that the pressure of, of the General Assembly has helped bring this forward. So in, in that case, yes. I mean, I, I do think that our pressure in talking about this and the pressure that the, that the Republican caucus within the Senate and the House, uh, has helped bring this forward. Well, yes, the, fa- the fact that he has gone it alone, literally since last March, has told you and every member of the General Assembly, I don't care what you think. You don't get to have a say in this. Uh, it doesn't matter to me, because you've passed two bills that were vetoed by him. He vetoed this one as well and said, I will make the decisions, or me and my health director will make these decisions. The representation in the legislature gets no say. 
you know so he, if he had his say and if he had his way you know he he would he would still be rolling along with these same restrictions the fact that you finally overrode one and now that june 23rd he knows the date when the 90 day uh uh you know a moratorium if you will or 90 day uh, period goes by before the law becomes uh, takes effect he knew the date he he knew that you guys were going to be putting something something together so he's playing games here now what i want to know is <clears throat> We're talking to uh, Representative Scott Wiggum. Is when you talk about, um, you know, he may have other mandates that are going to be applied or, or other mandates. Let's listen again to the specific way that he worded this. Ohio Department of Health Director Stephanie McCloud will remove all pandemic health orders except those for nursing homes and assisted living facilities, effective three weeks from today. Okay, so he said all pandemic health orders. That to me says masks. It says worship. It says occupancy in halls and restaurants. No more six feet between tables. Uh, restaurants can open up to full capacity again and do what they have always done. Um, that that sounds like it's more than just a mask mandate lift. It's everything is fair game again. Is that is that how you heard it? Yeah. I, I, well, that is how I heard it. So we, we will be looking at uh, what rules and orders are looking at because we may still have to have a, a resolution in place uh, to lift others. Um, it, what's interesting here is that that, that means he's lifting, uh, of course, some orders that would make it so that, uh, you know, if the school has an outbreak, they don't, right now there's an order in place that they tell parents. But uh, I think the fact of the matter is, is that we need uh, uh, every single one of these um, uh, lifted as, as much as possible. So that's, uh, I would think that that's a good thing. Yes. Okay, so now the other part of that, uh, as we talk with Representative Scott Wiggum, as he said, this is just from the governmental point of view, from our restrictions. Um, he said businesses don't have to abide by this. Ohio businesses and schools as well will make their own decisions about how to best keep their customers, their employees, and their students safe. Lifting these health orders will not prevent a business from imposing its own requirements. So what I want to ask you as a representative, Scott Wiggum, is is there going to be anything in your legislation or, or resolution that says businesses cannot discriminate against people if they, uh, uh, you know, if they come in, uh, if they want to come into a business and cannot provide proof of, for example, a vaccination? Right. So that's a... I mean, that, that is a serious situation that we're facing. I know that the, 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 the splitting of the citizens in two and, and uh, the things that this is doing to, you know, my, my constituents um, is, is horrible. So we're, try, we're getting on that. But here's the problem. This resolution can, is, is only effective under, under the power of SB 22, which was focused on the governor's action. So we have other bills like House Bill 248. That we're, that we're working on right now, trying to trying to follow up and be ready at June 23rd. Or you, in, co, you in co-sponsored June. that, right, sir? Yeah, yes, I did. Good. Yes, Good I did, here. because I, I know what's happening. I, I know that this is a bad situation, and, and the fact of the matter is our, our grade schools, I mean, when, when we started putting masks on six-year-olds, I had had it already. I mean, I, was, I, I thought that that was the most ridiculous thing that we could have done, uh, and probably a dangerous thing and something that's very unhealthy. So, you know, I, I, those are the things that, uh, that made me make some, uh, write some letters and do some phone calls. But the bottom line is there's been, there's been no change, uh, and they've been moving this way. So the, the fact of the matter is, is you're absolutely right. We, we have got to have things in place. We've got to make sure that vaccine passports don't come to fruition, whether it's in the public or private sector. And we also have to make sure that our schools aren't mandating masks on our kids. 
and, and following some of these arbitrary rules because the CDC, uh, as you know, uh, that it, it, it that seems to be influenced by teachers unions more than anything else. Right. Uh, at, you know, is, is we 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 know the numbers for for our youth, and they're and they're uh, youth really. It's not that they're not affected. I'm not going to say that because you'll get banned from social media. But the, but the fact of the matter is, if you look at the numbers, um, it, you know, there's the, 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 the zero chance of a death of death for your for your child under 20. And uh, for those who have passed away, um, there, there was massive comorbidities in, involved, and we know those things. We know that. So I think we've got to. Uh, I think that we've got to be realistic and know how this uh, this virus works. We know who it attacks, and uh, we need to keep those those folks safe. But we've got to uh, we've got to open up everything else. And we and we and we will we will be putting in place and trying to fight to make sure that schools aren't 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 hampering uh, you know our kids. It's it's tough. You know, it's long time we open up, but it's all coming to fruition now. Yeah, and uh, and and I guess you know a, a part of that is when when the governor said that schools and businesses may decide on their own if they want to continue mask mandates or continue social distancing or limitations on class size or whatever. Um, what 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 role will parents have in that decision? What if the I mean, do the parents get to say, "Hey, look, a resolution was passed." Uh, and the governor lifted, and so together we've got you know uh, dual um, uh, you know lifting of restrictions that lets our kids breathe freely and see one another and smile at one another and so forth. My school cannot continue to do this. Um, will the parents have any role or any say if a school says the heck with what the state says? We're still going to do this. Well, there's going to be two things involved here, Bob. That, that parents are going to have to take a look at. One is they're going to have to coordinate with each other. Because they do have uh, they do have the school board, uh, they have to get involved with the school board and make sure that the school board is not going to mandate things the state and the governor has not had is not forcing them to mandate. Okay, that's number one. Number two is we as a general assembly should be doing something also. Um, and and I, I know that we have those bills in place regarding masks. I know that Jenna Powell has a bill in place uh, to remove those masks. Um, and to remove them once and all, I, I, and the schools would be a part of that uh, that uh, that bill within Jenna Powell's bill. Um, but the, but the fact of the matter is, yes, I think we're going to have to take several tracks, and I think parents are going to definitely have to get involved. Yeah, and they're going to. You're right, they're, and they're going to have to go to their school board meetings. They're already doing that for a host of other reasons, pushing back against certain curriculum, including critical race theory and other things that are very dangerous and damaging to kids. But they're definitely going to have to do this. Listen, Representative Wiggum, we're very, very happy and very proud of you and others who have put this resolution for, uh, forward. This is the only thing, in my opinion, I tried to get you to say it, but it's irrelevant. Uh, the, the the reality is that Mike DeWine acted. I think he did it only because of what you guys did and the fact that June. 23rd was fast approaching and he was going to lose control of the situation anyway uh but we want to encourage you to keep up the good work on behalf of the people uh and if there is any other new mandate that he tries to put forward to counter uh the resolution that you are passing here changing the language a little bit i trust that you guys will be on top of that too we, we will be bob and i just want you to know we've got 58 co-sponsors so far and i believe that we're going to have uh, um, we're just going to have it just about everybody. We're going to be over sixty, and that's that's outstanding. And by the way, if I may, we why only a dozen or so, or fifteen or so co-sponsors for two forty-eight? I know you're one of them, but I would like to see fifty on that thing too, right? Well, we're we're having that conversation right now, and I think that um, you, you know the caucus is just becoming aware of of, of what an issue this is. I mean, it's some, for some folks, it takes time, but we're working on it. 
Absolutely. Well, Representative Wiggum, thank you for coming on today and keeping us in the loop. We appreciate it. Please let us know when there's something new to report, okay? Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you sir. Thank you. thank you. Appreciate you. 1051, final segment coming up. We've had tons of guests, not much of you, so let's get you in line. 216-901-0945. Right back. Okay, 1055, time for a couple of uh, calls before the top of the hour. Let's see where that takes us. Beth in Astabula, that's where it's going to take us first. Beth, Beth, thank you for joining us. Go right ahead. Good morning. Um, I didn't know if you were aware of the fact that our active duty troops have been under tremendous pressure to get the vaccination or the uh, gene therapy, as we call it. Um, they can't be forced at this point because that still is under the... EUA designation, but they are doing everything they can to tighten the screws. And now I just heard that the the uh, soldiers at Fort Campbell in Kentucky, in Kentucky, their commanding general McGee, has said that the people who are vaccinated will be able to take their leave this summer just as normal. But the people who are unvaccinated, they may not be allowed to because they don't want them running around and getting. COVID and bringing it back, I guess. And he assures us that the people who are vaccinated, that won't happen. You know, um, you know, these guys, even are, though, even though the CDC makes very clear that getting vaccinated does not make you immune. This exactly. is not immunization. There's a exactly. big difference this is, between this, is this just and immunization for these guys. And I think it's disgusting to do this to our troops who are on active duty at various places around the country. I'm sure it's going to be more widespread than just Fort Campbell. But, you know, these are younger, physically fit people. Um, Some of them have probably already even had it. And they're going to punish them if they haven't said, yeah, sure, give me the jab, you know. And that's the most infuriating part to me. The most infuriating part to me is if, well, what? no, just specifically the part about people who have already had it. You know, I've already had it. I believe that my immune system is stronger against COVID-19 right now than any Johnson & Johnson dead viral load that they could possibly give me uh, could possibly make me. Yet if I get a Johnson & Johnson vaccine, people say, you're safe, you're immune. That's a yep. dead viral load. I had the live viral load. I was I was sick with COVID-19. My body did what 99.8% of bodies without comorbidities do. It recovered. Uh, and now it's stronger than ever, and yet they would treat me or a soldier in my position differently because I didn't go get an additional dose of a vaccine or a, a non-immunizing uh, immunizing mRNA uh, experimental drug. It's it's impossible to to make any sense of that. Yep, I just I just don't think our troops should be put in that position. I think no. That's- Really they, they most certainly should not be. And nobody should, but yeah, I mean, I agree. And and any to me, and thank you for the phone call, Beth. Thanks. To me, anybody, any group rather, that is mistreated, um, less favored, discriminated against in any possible way because they have chosen not to take an experimental drug, to me is is just patently illegal. It's something that ought to be very easily uh, stopped in a court of law. You cannot, you know, it's, it's, it's like the Indians in Major League Baseball. There, a lot of them are giving free tickets to people who show vaccine cards and charging people who don't have vaccine cards. You know, it's like, wait a minute, 
you are literally charging one price, or in some cases in the Indians, I think it's five bucks off of a ticket if you have a vaccine. That's not an incentive. That is a punishment to somebody for making a health decision. If I go into a restaurant and they charge me $25 for my steak dinner as an unvaccinated person, and somebody else comes in and orders the same item off of the same menu, and they charge them $20 because you got vaccinated, I'm going to court because I've been discriminated against because of my own health decisions. And that is something that cannot and should not be allowed. And certainly what you just described, soldiers allowed to go on leave if they've had vaccinations, but confined to the barracks if they haven't, because they don't want them to go out there and contract COVID and bring it back to the to the troops, to the platoon. That's insanity. Cannot be allowed. And I'm just waiting for lawyers to step up. Thanks for a great show today. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.